Blog Talk Radio. Animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. For my vegetarian and vegan listeners out there, you're going to be really pleased that you tuned in this morning. World class chef Seppi Kashanian will be stopping by shortly to share some great healthy recipes for both you and your pets. Then, after our halftime break, Dr. Kathleen Boldy will be in to discuss the annual free eye exam program for service animals and general eye health for pets. I'm really excited to talk with both of these amazing women, and I think you're going to be fascinated by what they have to say. So stay right where you are, and we'll get started with this week's edition of the Pet Place Radio Show here on K-Mozart after a very quick station message. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the program. It's Chef Seppi Kashanian. Good morning, Chef. Good morning. So you are a very special chef, from what I hear. You are an expert in vegan recipes. <laughs> I am, yes. What made you decide to go in that direction? Why did you become a chef? Well, I I definitely wasn't one of those chefs that found myself in the kitchen as a kid. My family loved to cook. I was more of the eater of the family. But really, I think I was um, living in Barcelona at, at the time, and I was trying to decide what direction I wanted to take my life and what I wanted to what what was the next step for me. I knew that I wanted to be in some sort of an arts. I wanted that to be in my life. But um, it was one day I. I ran across the farmer's markets, and believe it or not, I had never been to a farmer's market until then. 
Um, well, what a great like place a, to go to a farmer's market. <laughs> my God, because they have them every day in Barcelona and Spain. And just the seasonal fresh produce, the colors, the variety, I was completely overwhelmed and decided to start cooking my own meals for myself and found myself seven, eight hours in the kitchen just absolutely loving it and then wow. said, okay, well, this is the form of art I choose, so here I go. Did you decide to get some formal training too or are you self-taught? No, that's what I was, I was living in Europe, so then I thought, okay, um, I want to make this uh, legit, and so I researched some schools, and Barcelona is very close to um, France, and so I thought, well, Lyon is um, a city in central France, and they have this amazing private uh, institute, Paul Bocuse, who's one of the heads in Europe and France for new age culinary cooking and fusion cooking, so... I started, I moved out to Lyon and started the culinary program there. It's sort of like the gastronomy location in France to go. And um, it was a really incredibly intense and beautiful experience. Nothing I was really prepared for at 29 years of age because it's got a very competitive culinary program and more like a bachelor's program, I would say architecture classes, accounting, marketing, but then also a lot of food. It so was wonderful. Somehow you ended up back here in uh, the States and in Southern California, and you started sharing your food. Tell me a little bit about what's going on now. Well, now I, um, when I first got back here, I was cooking um, in various restaurants, uh, an Italian restaurant, and then I managed a cafe, and then I was kind of bored with cooking altogether, and I was looking for some sort of inspiration, like a purpose, a meaning. And in that moment, as if like the universe had heard my cry, I like met my first vegan client, and then I got exposed to sort of the cruelty and neglect that takes place in in process of producing meat. And then I was watched a couple of documentaries. I was just sort of moved, and I thought, you know what this. This, as a chef, I have a responsibility to spread this message. I became sort of vegan myself, and then I started creating um, creative, you know, meals that were appealing to both vegans and non-vegans alike and really enjoy educating people and assisting them in making better choices health-wise and nutrition-wise and things like that. So sort of went in that direction out of nowhere. You must be a real animal lover, too, and I've heard that your dog is actually a (laughs) rescued dog. Can you tell me about your dog? Oh, she's an angel. I was helping a friend go and rescue a dog. He was looking for a dog, and I was kind of going, and, and I had dogs before myself, but not since I'd moved back, and then I just fell in love with her at first sight and I thought okay I guess it's time because I I wouldn't actually fall in love like this so Uh I brought her home and I was kind of you know didn't know what to do because the house is sort of vegan my my sister's vegetarian or she's not vegan so there's eggs and stuff and I didn't know what direction to take with her because you know it's an animal and I was like well she's got sharp teeth and so I was giving her like kibbles that were vegetarian and then I would add like raw stuff to it and then I started cooking for her. Oh, outstanding. <laughs> and and does she like vegan food? Well, I I I don't do that. Okay. Um, I I do do vegetarian mostly. Okay. Um it started sort of my my sister had left for work um in New York and had left some eggs in the fridge and I didn't want them to go to waste because she was gone for an extended amount of time. So 
that's how it started. I, I made her, like, scrambled eggs, and then I just took whatever I had left in the fridge, like brown rice or quinoa or wild rice, and I added that in it, and then I started adding, like, the boiled vegetables from my stock every mm-hmm. week, and I would chop that up and add that to it, and then... It kind of grew from there. I, I, I started putting some of the oatmeal that I would eat, like left, you know, put that in there. And if there's yogurt in the fridge, I would put that. And it just sort of went into a whole direction with cooking for her. Wow. I know a lot of our listeners would be very interested in knowing a recipe or two that they could prepare for their own pets. Would it be possible for you to perhaps give us a little recipe that we can use? Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you my my favorite basic, and this is something that they can add to, you know, they can add and, and subtract anything from it. And I'll and I'll tell you, you can use, you can make this vegan, vegetarian, or um, you could add meat to it. And I guess for animals, a lot of the, um, in a decent amount, but like liver and that sort of stuff is really good for them. So basically what I do, I start with the, um, should I give the recipe right now? Oh, absolutely. So okay, everybody I grab st- your pens and papers right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I start with like four cups of uncooked rice, and it could be brown rice. You could do, you know, wild rice. Usually either brown rice or a long grain rice would be great. And mm-hmm. then nine to ten cups of water, about um, a fourth cup of like oats, and it could be slow-cooking oats or fast-cooking oats, mm-hmm. um, about a te- teaspoon of salt, and then I leave all that in a large saucepan to start boiling. And once it gets into the boil mode, I add fresh chopped parsley, maybe like four tablespoons of chopped parsley. So that would and be great for bad breath for dogs. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. And um, I add, now this is the time if you want to give meat, you could add about like three ounces of liver chopped. You could put like eight ounces of ground beef or mm-hmm. chicken or lamb. Um, I usually add maybe two eggs, beaten eggs in there, um, maybe three tablespoons of corn oil or, you know, olive oil. And then I put about two cups of dark green veggies, and that could be kale, spinach, broccoli, collard greens, chard, chopped up fine, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing. The the vegetables do need to be chopped up fine. You could do it in a food processor or just um, hand chop it fine. And then two cups cups of non-leafy sort of sweet vegetables that are rich in um, carbohydrate, like carrots. um, It could be green peas are great because they have lots of protein. I put peas a lot. What about sweet potatoes? Sweet potatoes are wonderful. Yams are great. Um, Red beets are great. Um, so anything like that, that's, that's rich. And, again, ch- chop it up fine. And then you, you, turn, you stir all that in, and you turn the heat on low, and you can cover it and cook it for about 20 minutes until all the water gets absorbed. Okay. And then um, for supplements, if I do feed my dog, if, if I don't, when I don't, I don't use the meat. But if you don't, I usually use um, a cup of brewer's yeast or nutritional yeast, which is really high in protein and has lots of nutrients. Oh, um, vegan vegetarians love that. Mm-hmm. About a cup of wheat germ mm-hmm. and about an eighth of a cup of hemp powder and about an eighth of a cup of, like, powdered kemp. 
That uh, sounds like a, a really big supply of food that you're it is. here. Okay. <laughs> well, that's what you do. You kind of spread it out, and you could you could divide that. But I I spread it out, let it cool off, mm-hmm. and then I divide it up and um, you know use it accordingly. When you're feeding, you know you could add cottage cheese or if, if anyone has that sort of stuff, a yogurt around. But um, the supplement makes about thirty pounds of. Um, each teaspoon is about makes for thirty pounds of dog weight, so it, it depends. It depends on how how much your dog weighs. Okay. And then, so about how many servings then for a medium sized dog would you say this recipe would would serve? I would say this recipe would serve about. Um, let's see. I use it. My dog is small. Okay, so I would say this would be good. For if you're feeding them breakfast and lunch um, wet food, which I, if you are doing that, I, I would suggest that you incorporate it slowly into their diet because mm-hmm. it could be kind of a shock. But I think this would be good for a week's supply of breakfast and lunch for okay. a dog. And then you refrigerate it or do you freeze it? Yeah. How do you refrigerate it? Okay. Oh, a week is fine. This this will definitely stay a week in the, in the refrigerator. Wow, outstanding. And I know you have lots of other wonderful food and uh, lots of great ideas on your website. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, basically, I started as um, a I started a, a private chef food delivery company where twice a week we go out to the local markets here, and then we prepare sort of personalized meals for individuals and families, and then we deliver it um, twice a week to them so that they have it for the full week. And then we take into consideration any and all, like, dietary needs, any food preferences they might have, any allergies they might have. There's a lot of people now that are allergic to soy or gluten. Mm -hmm. And we create basically market-inspired dishes that vary each week and then try to introduce new vegetables and ingredients all the time. Wow, that sounds wonderful. What is the website? The website is Mother Organica. So www.motherorganica.com. Okay. Um, we also do private dinner parties. So it's either sit-down plated courses or elegant buffet-style meals. Um, we do do preparations on site so that people, guests, can watch chefs prepare. Um, we do small or larger events. We do a lot of work with animal rights groups and fundraisers, charities, and things like that. But also, you know, vegan, vegetarian weddings and such. Wow, it sounds wonderful. What's your personal favorite dish? My personal favorite. Um, I love. The, I do a quinoa meatloaf, mm-hmm. and I never liked meatloaf before. <laughs> I never <laughs> ate meatloaf before myself. But I know a lot of people love it, and it's such a versatile dish. So I was inspired to recreate meatloaf um, vegan. So I do this quinoa meatloaf, and um, it's you could when it, when it comes out of the oven when you bake it it comes out of the oven you can eat it warm like over baked kale with roasted vegetables and maybe a mushroom gravy or something like that mm-hmm. but then it's great leftover so I the next day I slice it up put it in in sandwich with like tomatoes avocados or I have it over salad because it's hearty you know sure. um, so it's definitely one of my favorites you know of course lasagna I love lasagna I I also and oh the new one is the quiche because who doesn't love quiche and it can be again cold or hot breakfast lunch or dinner and that again now is my new favorite so wow that sounds fabulous i know so many people think that you just can't get 
deliciousness from uh, vegan recipes, but, you know, clearly <laughs> you're <laughs> shattering that myth. So everybody visit motherorganica.com for more information. And Chef Seppi, after talking with you today, I feel encouraged about cooking myself and trying out some meals for my own family and my pets, and I sure appreciate you sharing this wonderful information with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Definitely. We need to take a quick pet place break now, but don't go away. Dr. Kathleen Boldy is getting ready to talk about pet eye health and the free eye exam program for service dogs that will get underway next week. So stay tuned for this and more here on K-Mozart. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very happy to welcome to the show Dr. Kathleen Baldy. How are you this morning? Very well, thank you. And you? I'm doing very well myself. Thank you. And I know that every year around this time, um, there's a very special program going on that we like to promote, and it's the Free Service Dog Eye Exam Program. And I understand it's getting underway soon. Is that correct? That's correct. Could you tell me a little bit about the history of the program? And I'd love to. Yeah. This is the fifth annual American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists Marial National Service Dog Eye Exam event. And it occurs every year um, in May. And there is registration from April 1st to April 30th for all guide dogs, handicapped assistance dogs, detection dogs, search and rescue dogs, police dogs, and the dogs that selflessly serve the public. And we are delighted as members and diplomates of the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists to provide free service to these wonderful patients. And we examine the eyes thoroughly to make sure there are no problems involved in uh, their vision and their comfort. And we provide um, this expertise and we would prescribe medications or make recommendations depending on what we find. Ah, excellent. What are the warning signs exactly that a dog may have an eyesight problem? Well, first, if it is a working dog, perhaps they're not able to do their work as well as they used to. Mm -hmm. I had a dog who was once jumping through flaming hoops in a circus, which is not much of a service, but it definitely was a problem when he couldn't see well enough to get through the hoop. Oh, wow. I know that dogs really do kind of mask their vision loss, and and they they have such wonderful senses that compensate. So a lot of times you don't necessarily know that anything is going on until it's really gotten to a critical point. Right, that's often the case. So we look for signs that may not be directly associated with vision that we can perceive. We Mm -hmm. look first for redness, for an eye that seems cloudy, for an eye that's partially closed or appears painful. We um, look for little indicators that dogs can't find small objects if we toss them a small treat or a little toy. And if we feel that they're hesitating seeing eye dogs, for example, when they come to a crosswalk mm-hmm. and we're not sure why, that may be an indicator of early vision wow. um, decrease. Well, what can be done? Are there options available? I know that a lot of people I know have gotten uh, LASIK surgery. Is is there something similar for dogs? 
There is. However, in dogs, the majority of eye problems are not related to refractive errors. Oh. In humans, LASIK surgery is done to replace glasses. But in dogs, um, it's not usually refractive errors that give us problems. It's real disease, such as cataracts mm-hmm. or glaucoma, retinal degeneration or retinal detachments, hemorrhage in the eye or opacities in the cornea, such okay. as corneal ulcers. So those things require special treatment, sometimes medical and sometimes surgical, to improve the clarity of the eye and the eventual vision. I see, I see. So when a dog comes in and you do all of these tests, you have to rely on what you're experiencing rather than what the dog is experiencing. I know when a human goes for a test, the doctor can ask questions. Uh, Is this clear? Is this out of focus? Can you see this? But but you can't do that with a dog. So You're how, right. how are you certain that there's an issue when you conduct an exam? Well, we have very special eye equipment and instrumentation that allows us to evaluate the eyes without the feedback from the patient. Okay. So we have a slit lamp um, examination where there's a slit lamp biomicroscope, an indirect ophthalmoscope. We can do retinoscopy the way they would check an infant for mm-hmm. refractive errors. We have electroretinography, ultrasound, and other equipment that allow us to examine the eyes carefully and well without the patient's input. Wow. And all of this is included in the free eye exam? Many of these things are. So the uh, full eye exam includes a slit lamp biomicroscopy mm-hmm. and um, indirect ophthalmoscopy or direct ophthalmoscopy. It does not include... ERG testing, ultrasound, or retinoscopy. But these tests are not needed in every case. For a full eye exam, we check the vision best we can with an obstacle course in dim light and in bright light. Mm -hmm. There is a common hereditary retinal abnormality called progressive retinal atrophy where dim light vision is affected, but room light vision or bright light vision is fine. We can evaluate that with an obstacle course test, and we can do special tests such as um, fluorescein dye tests mm-hmm. and um, evaluation of tear test and pressure testing oh. and um, these things. How do the dogs react to all of this testing? It seems a little bit on the frightening side. It is to us, but I think the patients that come into us are so well trained and trusting mm-hmm. that we can shine some lights in their eyes and do some simple things that don't seem to be upsetting to them. They're not painful. If we have to touch the eye, we put a topical anesthesia drop in, so that way the patient can't feel it. But um, they don't really come in with preconceived notions, and we don't have needles or anything that is painful for them. So it's not a difficult exam, and most patients are quiet enough to allow us to complete everything without any sedation or special restraint. I see. Okay, so if somebody has a service dog and they want to participate in the event, what's the process? How do they sign up? Okay, there is a website, um, www.acvoieyeexam.org. Starting April 1st, we log on to that, we meaning the people who are interested in having their eyes checked for their pet. They register on that website and then they will call a participating ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. On that website, participating ophthalmologists all over the country are listed, and they can find them through that website. 
Okay. And do they have to provide certification that their pet is indeed a service animal? Yes, they do. So any national or local organization that provides written certification can be brought at the time of the exam or included with the registration. Okay. Are there a lot of veterinarians who are participating, veterinary ophthalmologists who are participating in this event? Is Approximately it going to be hard? 200. Yes, 200 oh. across the country. Okay. Last year the event saw more than 4,000 dog oh. service dogs, and we hope this number will increase this year. Excellent. So it should be relatively simple then to get an appointment. Yes. Okay, wonderful. Now, for people out there who have pets and they are not service animals, but they do want to have an eye exam, are you uh, local here in Southern California? Yes, I have a veterinary eye clinic, a practice limited to diseases of the eye and surgery in Brentwood, oh, California. Okay. So well, that's just off the 405 between Westwood and Santa Monica. What's the name of your facility? Kathleen Alboldi, BMD. Just my name. Excellent. And do you have a lot of patients? It seems like such a specialized area of veterinary medicine. It is very specialized, but I've been here on the west side since 1984, and we've seen many, many dogs, cats, small animals, and even horses and larger animals for eye problems. It's surprising, I think, to many people how animals can have similar problems to people and sometimes even worse. There are many hereditary eye diseases in dogs, and the bulgy eye dogs in particular, the we call them brachycephalic mm-hmm, patients, mm-hmm. will have lots of eye problems that could affect their vision or their comfort or both. Okay. And do you feel that current veterinary medicine is at a level that that vision can be restored or at least corrected to a, a nice place for these animals? I know, I mean, as recently as, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, uh, cataract surgery in particular was still pretty crude, and I, I don't think animals were get it, getting their vision restored. They were just getting the cataract removed. How's the progress on that front? Well, we're doing very well with cataract surgery now. It's one of the most common surgeries here at this clinic, and cataract surgery does restore vision to animals who are good candidates for this procedure. Mm-hmm. Good candidates are healthy patients, ones whose retina works well, and that they have any other eye condition well treated. So, for example, if there's a dry eye condition, it's treated prior to surgery. We can now do uh, ultrasound surgery and laser surgeries with similar equipment as they use in people with very similar results. We place mm-hmm. an intraocular lens that's specially picked out for that particular animal so mm-hmm. that the vision is as sharp as possible, the animals are as comfortable as possible with very clear eyes and exceptional results. Wonderful. I want to switch back to the service dog program again. Sure. Let's say a service dog has a serious issue that's discovered during the free eye exam, um, and it's a pet that belongs, well, not a pet, but a service animal that belongs to somebody who can't really afford an expensive procedure, are there any grants available or any kind of assistance at this point? Well, I do know that many of my colleagues, including myself, offer significant discounts to service animals for any procedure. So it's not absolutely free, but the discounts are very deep, and often um, there are grants available through other institutions if there is no money available at all. 
for okay. that particular patient to pay for anything. But we do everything we can as veterinary ophthalmologists to offer our service dogs care as they need it. Wonderful. Let's give that website one more time for people who would like to register for the free eye exam. www.acvoeyeexam.org. So www.acvoeyeexam.org. Wonderful. And thank you so much for stopping by the pet place today. Thank you. Appreciate the invitation. Excellent. Have it's a wonderful day. You too. Thank it's you. time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for pet place news and events here on K Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Do you love Easter egg hunts? Do you wish your pet had a chance to participate? Well, do I have news for you. On April 1st, and I promise this is not an April Fool's prank, the Chateau Le Pouch Boutique, located at 806 West Imperial Highway, Suite M in Brea, is hosting an Easter egg hunt potty for pooches. That's P-A-W-T-Y. Peep on in, and your dog will have a hoppin' good time. Don't you just love these puns? Run, play, and sniff out Easter eggs in their fabulous off-leash potty pen. Prizes will be given for the best dressed, and there will be lots of treats for pets and their parents. For more info, call 714-482-0452 or visit www.chateaulepooch.com. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. That's all for me today. Remember... Pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.